Black-led nonprofits are 24% smaller than the revenues of their white-led counterparts. And philanthropy in general is overlooking leaders of color who have the most lived experience with an understanding of the problems we are trying to solve today. This is We Form the Future, a podcast and radio show that is meant to empower Black voices and our community. I'm your host, and my name is Jasmine. I'm a multidisciplinary artist, creative writer, and public speaker from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. I'm also a believer in the idea that the future is up to us. I believe that we can form the future to support and benefit us for generations to come. And I'm excited, so excited, to share with you the inspiring stories and revolutionary ideas in this podcast. Each week on We Form the Future, a different individual or organization will bring us varying perspectives on the Black experience and explore novel approaches to life, art, existing social structures, and new ways to form a better future. We Form the Future is created by WFNU Frogtown Community Radio and funded by the Transformative Black-Led Futures Fund, whose goal is to support those who are responding to the political and cultural opportunity to defund the police and begin the transition process toward developing and implementing a shared vision of community-led safety and investment. We Form the Future is aired on WFNU LP 94.1 FM Frogtown Community Radio in St. Paul every Saturday at 1 p.m. You can learn more about this program by visiting weformthefuture.com. What's up and welcome back to another episode on We Form the Future. Happy Saturday. Today we have a special treat with some black educators, Jonathan Jones and his son, Christopher. Jonathan is a seasoned educator who is passionate about learning how the intersections of education, philanthropy, and business can address inequities and oppression in our community. Christopher is a rising third grade student that actually attends St. Peter Claver in St. Paul. Christopher loves to draw, color, go camping, and is a master Lego builder. You know, it's not too often that we get a perspective from an older person and a younger person, so we're definitely in for a treat, some wisdom, and some inspiration. Again, thanks for tuning in to another episode on We Form the Future, and let's get started. Well, welcome to the We Form the Future podcast. Our topic today is funding the Black Educator Pipelines. My name is Jonathan. I am the founder of Ideation4 and creator of Uplift. Ideation 4's interest lies between the intersections of education, business, and philanthropy, and how they can collectively address inequities, um, in particular in uh, education and also in our community. And I'm going to introduce my son. Hello. My name is Christopher. I'm eight years old, and I'm going into third grade. I asked my father if I can help him with his work, and that that is why I'm here today. And thank you for joining us. Let's start with some basic all right. So as CJ, <laughs> nice. as, as CJ said, we're going to start with some facts from um, the field of education and philanthropy. So what's the first fact, CJ? In education, teachers spend on an average of $740 for basic class materials and supplies. Also, educators don't know where to find grants or how to get uh, go after them. Black-led nonprofits are 24% smaller than the revenues of their white-led counterparts. And philanthropy in general is overlooking leaders of color who have the most lived experience with an understanding of the problems we are trying to solve today. 
So we're gonna first start. Um, before we actually, as we to to start us off, I want to acknowledge this podcast is sponsored by uh, radio station ninety four point one F W F N U L P. It airs every Saturday at one p.m. and all of these interviews will be sponsored on Juneteenth. Very good. All right. So let's start off with our first question, CJ. Okay. Please tell us your name, organization, role, and organization mission. Yeah. First of all, great to be here. And you are doing a fantastic job. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll understand. If you just push your father out the screen, I'll understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, <laughs> no, you did. This is this is fantastic. I love uh, seeing you know uh, families do this. So we just talked about uh, something very similar on the on our last podcast, uh, Eight Black Hands, as far as families doing projects together. And so this you know to be a part of this is a is a real honor. Um, so I'm Sharif El Meki. I, I am the CEO of the Center for Black Educator Development. I'm, uh, you know, the work that we're doing is really based on four pillars. The P is supporting uh, policies that support educational justice, uh, providing professional learning opportunities uh, for educators and aspiring educators, uh, lifting up pedagogy, particularly black pedagogy. Uh, what have black teachers who are successful, what have they always done to uplift and educate and inspire uh, their black students? And then the final P or pillar is the pipeline, starting as early as ninth grade in high school to uh, provide them with uh, early exposure and clinical experiences of teaching and exploring the mindset, skill, and will necessary to be the dopest uh, teachers that our students deserve. So policies, professional learning, pedagogy, and pipeline are, are uh, the four parts of our organization. Wow, okay. Thank you. Thank you. How yeah. does your organization define the Black Educators Pipeline? So how do we define it? So we define our, the Black Educator Pipeline that we're wishing to build uh, is one we believe is 12 years long. It's uh, the first four years of high school, it's four years in college, and it's also the first four years of teaching. And so we believe that this uh, Black teacher pipeline is something that has to be constructed and sustained. And in some ways, we should say rebuilding the Black teacher pipeline, because there was some point when there were far more Black teachers uh, than there were, albeit we also recognize that many of them did not have other options or opportunities. But there were also many of them who deliberately went into education because they knew that education was, uh, was how the path to freedom is paved. And so they, they wanted to, to use education as a lever to improve, um, you know, just the conditions that we all are, uh, are working in. And so I would say it is not only 12 years long, but it's also connected to the pipelines of yesteryear. So when we talk about uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson or Lucy Craft Laney or Mary McLeod Bethune or you know, all of these other folks uh, who've poured into education, uh, poured into uh, pedagogical frameworks, it now informs what we do today. So I would say it's uh, it's uh, 12 years, but it's also deeply connected for generations. What was the first grant award your organization received? The very first uh, grant 
we received, well, to give you two, because one was like, while well, we were informal, then the other one once we became a formal organization. Uh, so the first one was, uh, I was still a sitting principal and we wanted to pilot using Freedom Schools as a teacher prep program for our high school and college, uh, you know, apprentices, teacher apprentices. So we got a small grant to host that at, at Shoemaker. Um, it was an internal grant through the Mastery Charter Network and we used it to pilot uh, freedom schools. And so we invited some alum and some other and some of their peers to serve as teachers and learn some of the, the basics of teaching um, to incoming seventh graders, because um, our school at Shoemaker was a seventh through 12th grade school. And so we had uh, high school students and alum who came and taught seventh graders and our staff coached them. Um, and then once we really formalized, so they took that pile and said, OK, we have a concept that we believe could work. And then we officially became the Center for Black Educator Development. And uh, the first grant we received from, through that was from the Balmer um, Foundation. Um, and that was a million dollars over two years to uh, hire some staff and, and uh, you know, become and launch these, uh, you know, our Freedom Schools Literacy Academy as our teacher apprenticeship program. Follow up, follow up question. That program that you initially started, is that the model and the framework for the current model? Absolutely. So we made some changes from the pilot. So the pilot, the scholars were seventh graders. Uh, we transitioned to make that uh, just first, second, and third graders. Uh, the, we didn't have a specific curriculum. We gave like a, a range of, of uh, courses, so to speak, and we landed on early literacy. So really phonics and reading comprehension. Uh, the similarities are some of the, you know, the learnings from Freedom Schools, from uh, Philadelphia Freedom Schools, from uh, Liberation Academies of Black Panther Party, as well as independent Black schools like Nita Musasa and Marcus Garvis Shule, et cetera. And so the development of the positive racial identity um, is, you know, that thread continues, you know, but we really focused on uh, early literacy and using that uh, to to uh, help develop aspiring educators. Um, and we went uh, much deeper in our coaching model um, where before we had very few coaches where now we, we put a premium on the coaches that the teacher apprentices uh, you know, receive support from. How do you find grant opportunities? Ooh, a lot of homework, CJ, a lot of homework, a lot of reading. Um, getting, uh, trying to develop uh, thicker skin because you're going to hear a lot of no's or that's a great idea, but it doesn't align to where we give our money, those kind of things. And so I think, you know, uh, really pushing through, um, but I would say a big part of it is doing homework. Um, so we try to limit who we, make sure we're pursuing folks that we think may have alignment instead of just scattershot, just going after everything, um, really trying to be deliberate, like, okay, Here's what we do. Here's what we do well. Here's what we're trying to, how we're trying to grow and only, and really try to seek funding that support that and not just seeking money for, you know, just for money, you know, just to have it, but to really make sure that it is aligned to our mission. Um, and that's, that's how we, that's how we go about it. And so we have a team and we'll huddle, we'll talk about it. Like, Hey, does this make sense? Or this makes sense which one, uh, we have a limited resources, particularly time. 
Um, and so we have to be very strategic about where what we pursue, how we pursue it, how much time it takes. Um, and so sometimes we say, you know, as a team, we say, you know what, we're not going to go after that one because it doesn't align or maybe the amount of money that they would uh, give doesn't, doesn't meet our needs. It's like it's more work, but not enough money to uh, reward that work if we were to get it. Um, so we're just trying to be very, uh, you know, very judicious, very deliberate um, about where we pursue funding. Okay. What recommendations around funding can you provide organizations working on Black educators' pipelines across the country? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so I'll share with some of the things that some of the wisdom that people have shared with me. Um, and so one is just as I said, like making sure that there's not a mission creep or like, you know, where you aren't aligned to your mission and you start pursuing funding that doesn't connect to the outcomes that you you said that you were going to pursue. Um, so that is probably the biggest one. Um, another one is investing in your own self. So making sure that you have the time or your team has the time to pursue funding. Um, because some folks are so busy with programming, they don't have time to raise money. And that can be mean less programming or less effective programming. And then the third piece of, of wisdom that I received uh, that I think is important is try to uh, diversify uh, where you get your funding from. So try to get some that are one-year grants, some that are three-year grants, some if you're really less you can get like maybe a five year or 10 year commitment from somewhere um and then finally you have to always uh share what you're doing and what you're learning so struggles that you're having and uh wins some people only want to share what they do well but sometimes funders are really interested like where are you struggling and how can i support that they don't want to support or fund what you're already doing well. They want to fund, hey, what are you learning? Because they might want to learn too and they'd be on a, you know, a partnership, a symbiotic relationship, a journey together. And so those are the that's the advice that I give myself um, that was given to me that I remind myself of and that I'm sharing with you and your audience. Those are excellent. Thank you. How can we learn more about your organizations? Yeah, so we are active, well, we're mostly active on Twitter and Facebook, semi-active on Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Center Black Ed on Twitter, Center for Black Educator Development on Facebook, and Center Black Ed on, on the gram as well. Uh, we also have a website, www.thecenterblacked.org. That's www.thecenterblacked.org. Oh. Okay, thank you for thank you today. Thank you for joining us on this meeting, and we appreciate you being here. Bye -bye. I appreciate you, man. You're like a breath of, of sunshine and fresh air, and all the and all the above. I'm I'm grateful. I have to share this. Uh, you know, hopefully your father can share this recording. I want to share this with my children. I have a five and seven year old. Um, and I want to share this with them because um, I'm so impressed with uh, your your skills, your interviewing skills. I might have to watch this and coach my own self up. You did a great job. Thank you. <laughs>
I'm eight years old. Speak I up. know. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the We Form the Future podcast. Our topic today is funding the black educator pipelines. My name is Jonathan. I'm an educator and, a, and the founder of Ideation 4 and creator of the Uplift publication. And I'm also here today with my son. Hello. My name is Christopher. I'm eight years old, and I'm going to third grade, and thank you for joining us. Let's start. So we're going to begin um, with some questions, and I'm going to let CJ start with the first question. Please tell us your name, organization, role, and organization mission. All right. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me here. My name is Regina Seabrook. And I am one of the tri-chairs of the Coalition to Increase Teachers of Color and American Indian Teachers. And our coalition is made up of educators from kindergarten through high school and into college. Our mission is to increase teachers of color and American Indian teachers. And we have five buckets that we're paying attention to in legislation that we are trying to get passed to support this goal, this mission of ours. We want to support pathways for teaching diverse youth paraprofessionals and career changers. So we want to create and strengthen up that pipeline to get more teachers of color and American Indian teachers. We want to transform climate and curriculum, school curriculum, from preschool to kindergarten to middle school to high school to college so that students see themselves in the curriculum and see themselves as part of the learning and then say, hey, I want to become a teacher. We want to provide scholarships and incentives um, such as stipends and loan forgiveness for teachers of color and American Indian teachers who want to um, pursue this um, career path. We also wanna eliminate some barriers for um, teachers becoming licensed. And Minnesota right now is doing a lot of really cool things to reduce barriers. And we wanna provide support. We wanna walk alongside our new teachers as they start in the field so that they know that they are valued and that we respect them and we honor their skills and we know what an impact they have in our schools. So that's a little bit about who we are. Thank you very much. Christian, let's go on to number two. Okay, how does your organization define the Black Educators Pipeline? What we, we are a multi-faceted coalition. And I have something prepared that I just had and now I don't. So I'm gonna find it again because I wanna be very specific in what I'm saying. So nothing is left to chance. And so what I would want everyone to know is that the coalition sees the pipeline from multiple perspectives, ranging from K-12 students to paraprofessionals to black undergraduates earning their first bachelor's degree to career changers with degrees earning licensure to new teachers needing to be mentored and mentored by experienced black teachers. Um, and we know that um, 
this pipeline is not going to be successful unless we retain our teachers of color and our American Indian teachers and our black teachers in particular. Thank you very much. Okay. Next question. What was the first grant award your organization received? The first grant award we received was a Bush Events Grant. And we held the first ever Minnesota Conference for Teachers of Color and American Indian Teachers held back in August of 2016. And we even had a National Teacher of the Year and Minnesota Teacher of the Year, both Black educators, as keynote speakers. Was that keynote Mr. Abdul Wright? Well, don't put me on the spot with that one, Jonathan, because I wasn't at that conference. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I happen to know it was Mr. Abdul Wright. He okay. is an amazing educator. And he recently participated in an event with us and that CJ also got to ask him questions. All right, That's so cool. let's go ahead and we will ask, you can ask the last question, CJ. Okay, so how can we learn more about your organizations? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put our website in the chat box so that you can read up on who we are, more about what we do, how we do it, and most important, how to get involved. We have some um, events that involve students and their parents, um, and it might be something that interests you given your um, very personable talk show host personality, Christian. We have Miss Regina Seabrook from the Coalition to Increase Teachers of Color, and their website is www.tocaimn.com. Thank you, Ms. Seabrook, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. And thank you for um, telling us all about yourself. And have a nice day. You have a nice day, too. Bye-bye. Welcome to the We Form the Future podcast. Today's topic is funding the black educator pipelines. My name is Jonathan, um, and I'm here today with my son. This will be aired on 94.1 WFNU LP. I believe it's Juneteenth that it will air. Yeah. All right, with that, we're going to go ahead and get started, okay? So we're going to first get started. We have a few questions that we'd like to ask you. Um, go ahead, CJ. You can go ahead and begin with the first question. Okay. Please tell us your name, organization, role, and organization mission. First of all, thank you very much for, for having me, uh, Jonathan and Christopher. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Ayodele Harrison. Um, I am Senior Partner of Education with Community Build Ventures. Um, as Senior Partner, one of my main roles is the Director of BME's Talk, which is one of our signature initiatives. Um, and as an organization, our mission is to, we're committed to eliminating racial disparities by developing powerful, impactful, and racial equity-driven leaders and organizations. That's across five different um, institutions, um, but specifically for education with our work with Black educators, what we are about is creating and curating safe, rich spaces for Black educators to connect, grow, and lead. So that's kind of what we do um, as an organization. Okay, well, how does your organization define the Black Educators Pipeline? 
That's a really good question. I've, I've, I was actually talking to my wife earlier today and really thinking about it. For me, what we do is we really look at the how are we supporting and encouraging and positioning uh, Black men in education to thrive, to enjoy, and, and reach their full potential within there. So um, I was thinking like the it's hard. The way I define is in terms of how we're supporting them. I think of the word pipeline as um, if it's a it's a commodity, like we're moving something from one place into another, right? And so what's important for me is to say, we're not just moving people, trying to get them in and trying to keep them going, you know, down this channel or this pathway or this pipeline. What we really want to do is help create the conditions where the uh, people who are interested in education are seeing themselves able to show up authentically, feeling supported along the way. So they want to continue to create and innovate within the profession of education. How do you find grant opportunities? That's a great question. So for us, because we are um, a full service consulting firm, we are a for-profit. Um, so our work is many times contracting with schools and districts um, to provide professional development support, uh, uh, black men in education, retention strategy, development and execution and things like that um, for that particular work. And so grants are something that we often look for, but they're really, because of the way a majority of them are defined, they're really for not-for-profit um, organizations within the there. But I will say that there are some, um, one of my, I was just thinking about this coming on, one of my friends um, and colleagues in this work, Bijan A. Kareem, actually has a teacher grant writing process. Because one of the things that you had mentioned at the very beginning was, I think, about $700 plus that teachers are investing in their particular classrooms. And so she has actually written a book of for educators to really think about um, I think it's like 10 or 12 steps to writing grants for your classroom. So I'm connected with professionals who are trying, um, using their expertise to equip educators to write their own grants. But um, for us specifically, it's really contractually how we do work, whether it is um, us working directly with a district or with a school or us working directly going to black, uh, black men in education and having them uh, purchase our service like a ticket to a professional de development experience we have. I have a, a follow-up question um, to this um, that's not on here that I'd like to ask you. Um, so, so as an um, entrepreneur, how did you go about um, establishing a relationship with the school district and establishing a partnership and, and eventually a contract with the school districts? And what recommendations would you have for um, other um, educators who are also in that realm of both education and becoming um, entrepreneurs as well. What suggestions would you have? Sure. Well, I can, I can say our, our path with BME's talk. And so what we did was create a space on Twitter back in 20, 2017. Um, my co-founder co of the Twitter chat, Byron DeRay, is a principal down in Florida. Um, and I came together and said, where is this space? And so we began creating um, the space digitally for black, for black men in education. Um, and then just seeing that there was a need, that there was a development. And then we went and after a couple of years of running that, we actually pitched the idea to a um, 
to a national professional development organization, a teacher educator organization. And they said, hey, we can give you space at one of our national conferences to be able to do this. So it really just came slowly by um, creating spaces and showing that there's a need, recording the voices, sharing the voices out, whether that is through um, testimonial, whether it's through video practice, sharing what that is. And then quite honestly, we began building out and reaching directly to schools and saying, here's what a professional development opportunity we have, whether it might be a luncheon or a development series. And so just really growing and showing that we're creating these spaces for them to send Black men in education to, to participate for professional learning. Then what that grows is, it's almost like proof of concept. Wow, this thing is there. How do we now do this within our district? And that, so it's just this slow of like, hey, I can't wait for someone to get this concept that I know we need, that I knew I need it. So I just kind of started slowly building, building and building. And then once the, once people see that there's an established product that adds value to their to their work, then they're willing to say, so what's next for us to be able to design? So that's really um, the process that we have. And so my advice is to um, really, if you can, don't wait for someone to sign off on your work, right? Do whatever's within your space. Like I said, back in 2017, it was a Twitter chat, one night a week, one question, 15 minutes. Right. Like that's where it was in 2017 to now in 2021. We're just about to wrap um, a four month professional development um, series that we've been doing with black men that we've had over 60 uh, educators come and be a part of. And I think about 80 percent of our ticket sales came through schools buying group tickets. So we went from a Twitter chat to now there's an investment. And we're now we're trying to say, okay, this has been beneficial. Let us show you the impact that we're having. Now let's continue to do this and design something specifically personalized to meet the needs of a school or a particular district. That's awesome. That's awesome. How can we learn more about your organizations? Or specifically your, your company? How can, how can the audience learn more about your, your, your company? Yeah, so our company is Community Build Ventures and it's communitybuildventures.com. You can learn information about that. We are also on all platforms, Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn as well, or those places um, for you to be able to find us to learn more about them. Um, if you want to know specifically about our work, our signature program for black, uh, black men in education, you can go to BMES Talk. Dot com, and that's where you'll learn about our growth, our history, where the direction, what we're currently working on, and the direction where we're going. Thank you very much, sir. I would like to thank you for joining us today. CJ, go ahead. Thank you very much. And again, this podcast is sponsored by 94.1 WFNULP. It airs every Saturday, 1 p.m. Central. Iodeli, thank you very much, sir. That concludes our interview for today. Do you have any questions for us? Thank you. No, I mean, I think you, you share. I mean, you'll probably share it all in the follow up. I, I appreciate um, the time that, that we've had, uh, you know, this platform. I love to see father and son working on this. Christopher, how old are you? I'm You're eight. eight. Yeah. Okay. All right. And already in the, already in the media business. I love it. I, I, I love I love it that you're growing and, and excited about this, that you're yeah. sitting alongside of your father. 
um, learning the skill set of being a host of a radio station or podcast and seeing all that. Um, but then also just seeing your dad work. Cause I know I used to love seeing my dad work, you know, wanting, wanting to follow and be with him um, quite consistently. So, um, but th thank you for having me. Just so you know, um, this podcast is called the We Form the Future podcast. And it's sponsored by the by 94.1 WFNULP, and it airs every Saturday at 1 o'clock. This particular podcast will actually be airing on Juneteenth. Welcome to the We Form the Future podcast. Today's topic, funding the black educator pipelines. My name is Jonathan. I am an educator, and I am the founder of Ideation4, and also the creator of Uplift. Hello, and my name is Christopher. I'm eight years old, and I am going to third grade. I asked my father if I could help him with his work, and that is why I'm here today. Thank you for joining us. So please tell us your name, organization, role, and organization mission. Hi there, CJ and Jonathan. My name is Kalani Goggins. I'm an associate director with the National Center for Teacher Residencies. And um, I've been with the organization for um, a little bit over two years. And so the mission of NCTR is to disrupt historical educational inequities by advancing the teacher residency movement to prepare effective, diverse, and culturally responsive educators. Okay, how does your organization define the Black Educators Pipeline? So NCTR has been investing in building a Black Educator Pipeline with our BEI initiative, which we call the Black Educators Initiative since around 2019. Um, and so this initiative is funded by a very generous $20 million grant from the Balmer Group. And it's designed to support residencies in our network to recruit and prepare and retain 750 Black residents over the next five years. Um, we're in year three of the initiative, and to date we've supported around 573 Black residents. Um, we just dispersed $3.7 million in grants to 20 residencies in our network two weeks ago as part of our year three investment. And so what we tend to do is provide um, funds to resident to programs in our network um, to help them fund and, and, and prepare and support those teachers that are in their pipeline. It could be through emergency funds. It could be through additional stipends. It could be through um, all these different types of support. But that's what we're doing with our BEI initiative. Okay. Well, how do you find your grant opportunities? And also, what was your first grant award your organization received? So the first grant for this is was from the Balmer Group. And so since we received that grant, um, we've been able to leverage that investment and get other foundations to make investments in Black residents. And um, we actually have a couple of grants pending that help us expand BEI, um, which is very, very exciting. I'd like to ask a follow-up question. That you got a major multi-million dollar grant. What suggestions can you provide the community and organizations, Black-led organizations, on how to go after large grant opportunities? Tabitha, do you mind pitching in, starting us off, and then I'll follow up with sure, you? Sure, sure. Um, so right now, philanthropy is really interested in supporting efforts to support communities of color. So this is a good time to approach philanthropy with strategic concepts that are focused on building educator pipelines for black educators, actually. Um, one of the things that I think we would recommend is that um, focusing on how um, 
focusing on investing in black educators improves outcomes for children is a really good strategy. Um, and focusing how um, uh, investing in black educator pipelines benefits uh, all children, not just children of color, because there is research, research that actually supports that finding. Another thing that um, I would recommend is that you approach funders with the idea that this is a social justice issue and that black educators need additional support to enter the pipeline because just as our mission states, there are historical inequities in the system that require supports um, not present in the very system, the teacher preparation system um, in this case, that has in many cases kept them out of the profession. So those would be some of the recommendations that we would make um, as you go after uh, grants in the current landscape. And the landscape right now is, is very favorable towards these types of investments, which is really um, unique. Um, and it's, it's been um, helpful for us, as Kalani mentioned previously, to expand our very large um, BEI grant. Excellent, thank you. CJ, next question. How do you find grant opportunities? opportunities? So um, most of our investments come from existing relationships with funders. Um, they've supported our work over the years. We've been in operation since 2007, and we've really started to, we have cultivated um, a very favorable reputation um, in the field for providing high quality technical assistance. And that helps us um, um, approach funders we don't have relationships with, um, because at this point we have receipts, right? So in some cases, existing funders introduce us to funders we don't have relationships with, which um, really helps. Okay, well, how can we learn more about your organization? Well, our website, a very um, our revamped interactive website is great. Um, so you can learn more about the work that we do and that is NCT residencies.org. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. We actually have two accounts. One is for NCTR, and then we have one specifically for our Black Educators Initiative. And those accounts are um, NCT Residencies and BEI NCTR. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thank you guys very much, and have a very good day. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this was yes. great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for joining us today. Just wanted to thank you. And um, we are very happy to have you today on this meeting. And we are very, very um, happy. And just wanted to say thank you for being on this pipeline with us. And welcome back. Honestly, this episode really touched me in a personal place because I think traditional schooling is often, I would say that it's more talked about recently than ever because technology is very present and we understand how technology can get in the way of the system that traditional education kind of operates in, like that textbook find the answer type of learning. And I think young people are starting to see that one, they aren't being challenged. Two, the whole superiority complex that exists in school kind of takes away from the collaborative efforts that students really thrive in when they're able to have that freedom to have a voice in their education, to have agency and all of those things. So I think 
in the near future, because of these types of conversations, we're going to see a drastic change in the education system simply because of now not only COVID and virtual learning, but also because entrepreneurship is such a big thing and um, uh, freelance work is such a big thing. And all of these changes that are completely different from when the traditional system in education was created. Honestly, it was so beautiful to have a perspective from such a young person because I think they need to be at the forefront of these conversations, especially around education, because they're the ones that are affected and are spending 12 years of their life in this institution. So thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, Christopher, for addressing a topic, a conversation that needs to happen and that needs to be at the forefront of molding and changing and transforming the current education system because I think it'll make or break the upcoming generations of the youth. But yeah, community, we're always grateful to have you here every Saturday with us. We hope that you tune in next Saturday because I'm sure we'll come to you with another amazing episode. Music from today's episode is from Akebe Shakedown. Production of We Form the Future episodes are by Sounds Powerful Productions. We'll be back next week with another great episode. For more information on We Form the Future, visit weformthefuture.com.